0: Today is Monday, February 12th, 2024. I'm David Berlin, and this is the Blockchain Journal podcast. And today we will be speaking with Garrett Minx, who is the founder of Rare Technologies. But first, I just want to let our audience know that with our videos, we include quite a few QR codes. Those QR codes appear at the bottom of your screen. They also appear at the end. And please feel free to use those not only to get in touch with me or whoever my guests are, because we use the QR codes to link you up to their Twitter and their LinkedIn accounts. But also, you can use those QR codes to find this content on the web, as well as some of our other great video content on blockchainjournal.com. So thanks for joining us. And Garrett, uh, I want to thank you for joining us. You are launching something called Rare Technologies. Thanks for being here to tell us about it. Why don't you tell us what Rare Technologies is?
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. David, so absolutely. Uh, so in a in a nutshell, uh, Rare Technologies provides enterprise NFT marketplace infrastructure. So rather than an enterprise say needing to go out to an OpenSea or an Nifty Gateway or one of these places, uh, they can actually deploy their own, you know, really uh, homegrown solution uh, that they fully control all of the data for. So a lot of people don't know, but when you log into things like OpenSea, they kind of take all of your all of your data and keep it to themselves. Uh, so we're trying to solve that
0: so i'm familiar with both OpenSea and nifty you mentioned nifty and uh maybe let's back up a little bit and talk about what in your mind are the most important criteria that enterprises need to consider when they're thinking about putting their nfts out there to engage their customers or for a loyalty program whatever it may be what's the criteria that's most important for enterprises to consider
1: that's a great question. First, really just to understand, you know, the new medium that, that they're using, which is an open mm-hmm. public blockchain. Um, so when they understand that, then you can start working backwards to what are all of the permissions that you would need to configure to interact in a public medium? And then really, how do you want to manage and control your data? What do you want to show publicly? And then what are things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily want to show publicly?
0: We've taken a close look at Nifty Gateway, particularly because they are the uh, NFT infrastructure of choice that was selected by uh, the Starbucks Odyssey program. And uh, when we went through uh, the whole program, experienced it, we noticed a bunch of things that would appeal to enterprises. That's kind of what I'm getting to in terms of the criteria. So a good example of that would be Starbucks is able to white label the entire ex- user experience so it looks like it's their NFT marketplace versus and Nifty Gateway's marketplace. Another example would be that you can engage the uh the assets they call them stamps not NFTs with US dollars. You can buy them with US dollars and fiat currency as opposed to needing crypto uh, needing cryptocurrency. Uh the login is is rather seamless. It's a little clunky but uh, it starts with having a user ID on the Starbucks rewards program. So these are the criteria I'm thinking of. And so I'm just kind of curious in your mind, like what are some of the things that would be most important to an enterprise when they're making their choices? Because as you pointed out, OpenC is a little more of an open market. You're just kind of like loading your assets up there, but they're in control of everything. They're in control of, well, you know, what what different uh, cryptocurrencies can be used to purchase the NFTs. They're in control of the look and feel. They're, they're in control of a lot of things. You, generally speaking, you have to engage with a separate wallet, right? Like you, you, you have to, um, like your MetaMask or something like that on OpenSea, whereas on Nifty Gateway, they essentially set up a custodial wallet that uh, shelters the end user. Many of those end users being Starbucks consumers who don't know a whole lot about cryptocurrency or wallets or anything of that, they kind of try to hide the the complexities of that. So what have you done in order to make it easier for enterprises and ultimately their customers or whoever it is in, that they're trying to address in their audience?
1: Absolutely. So Nifty, of course, offers a quite quite amazing product and they've, they've been around in, in the space for, for mm-hmm. quite a while. I would say our differentiation really comes from how, how close our, our nose really is to the, to the Web3 grindstones. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, when you're really looking at how to deploy these systems, there is a lot of really fast-moving technology uh, mm-hmm. under, under, undercurrents in this space. And a few things to mention, there's a thing called Smart Accounts, which is a very new uh, technology. It's really only been approved in the last nine months or so. Uh, we've really jumped all over that technology stack that actually allows you to, like, like you said, make it easy for users, uh, basically abstract their, their, uh, accounts from needing to know mm-hmm. seed, seed phrases. Uh,
0: but I'm You're like, talking about, uh, you're talking about account abstraction, ERC 4337. That's right. Uh, okay. Go yes, ahead.
1: Yes. That's a, uh, wonderful, wonderful standard, uh, that we have really, really embraced. And I think uh, embraced much, much quicker than a lot of other, a lot of other folks, uh, where, you know, rather than, uh, being able to provide a user a quite limited, a very, very locked down custodial experience. We can actually really bridge the best of both worlds, a more self-custodial mm-hmm. experience for the user and the ability for them to interact with the wider, uh, wider Web3 interf- uh, wider Web3 audience, but uh, in still inside of a,
0: a, a controlled environment. When you say interact with a wider Web3 audience, what, what's an example of that? Because I, I think as you're pointing out, like if we look at the nifty gateway user experience, you can, Uh, buy nfts from starbucks then you can trade them with other members of the starbucks odyssey community you can uh, trade them for u.s dollars or in some cases with cryptocurrency if you really want to do that but it's not so easy to take those same assets and move them out onto an open marketplace like OpenSea. i've tried it it's uh it's a little bit clunky and um also you don't even kind of get the graphics so there's some sort of To me, at least, there's some sort of uh, breakage in the way they're uh, putting the images Mm -hmm. on IPFS or wherever it is they put them. But uh, what is it that um, when you say interact with the wider Web3 audience, you're talking about making it easier to work with people who are not necessarily a part of some enterprise's NFT program?
1: (laughs) You really hit the hit the nail on the head with that one. As you know, when you create something inside of Nifty Gateway, Starbucks Odyssey app, it really is kind of trapped mm-hmm. inside inside of there. And then uh, they do give you this kind of export to external wallet function, but ninety nine percent of users, of course, aren't going to do that. When you do embrace the the smart accounts, you're actually you're giving a user a future proof wallet, so the enterprise won't have to rip out that system and then and then build a new. A new smart account based system. They'll already have the future proof one. So uh, mm-hmm. through you know granular permissioning, it can work exactly like the current Starbucks Odyssey program, say. Uh, but in the future, Starbucks would then be be much more future proof. And if they wanted to convert their Starbucks points to Delta points, things like that, uh, those are only mm-hmm. uniquely possible with interoperability, and interoperability is only really possible with uh, with smart accounts.
0: Right. So yeah. uh, and when you say there, you're using the ERC four three three seven. Uh, specification. It's sort of a standard for Ethereum. Uh, they call it account abstraction. One of the things that it enables is the ability to log into your wallet or log into your whatever it is you're holding. I, I don't know if you're calling it a wallet or not, but uh, with your with the social sign on. So, so what are you guys doing? How are you making that easy for end users?
1: Absolutely. So and as you know the technology does does exactly that sign in with google mm-hmm. or even in the starbucks odyssey use case sign in with with your starbucks app that is then interacting with a smart account on the blockchain mm-hmm. on your behalf and with right. our system we help with a lot of the granular permissioning things unhook it from this account hook it back up to that
0: that other account. do you do you on the back end do you have the technology that integrates with whatever the identity management system that an enterprise might be using, you know, maybe they're using Microsoft's uh, identity management or they could be using some other system. Do you you make it easy to tie into that so that once people are, like you mentioned Starbucks. One of the issues with Starbucks is that just because you're logged into the rewards program doesn't mean you're logged in to the Odyssey program. You actually get a separate login to Odyssey, but you have to start off, Uh, with your Starbucks Rewards ID just to get into the Odyssey program, just to be accepted into it. But once you're in it, you have a separate ID that lives on the Nifty Gateway system. And uh, that's a little confusing because now you have two separate IDs. You're actually getting emails from two separate systems about engaging the Starbucks brand. Uh, So do you make it easy for enterprises to tie into their existing identity management system? So you log in once on that system and then... You're plugged into everything that you normally had through that login, as well as the NFT capability. Right.
1: So you get at a great point about the the nuance and white labeling. So of course you can slap your own logo on something and, mm-hmm. call, and call it a white label solution, but we're actually deploying the smart accounts on the ha- behalf of the enterprise. So it's their okay. full it's their full stack so there is no dual solution they are actually deploying their own smart accounts natively they're just using our api's to kind
0: of help them do so i see sure. all right so uh i also saw in the press release that was forwarded to me you guys just watched right i think i saw the it was a, it's brand new like maybe a week ago today so uh but i saw in the press release some mention of DRM, digital rights management. And uh, I even went and visited the, the user experience and I saw a tab for video. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing there because you don't oh. normally hear about DRM or see a video tab on a marketplace. Let's talk about those two features.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for asking because that is our core original technology that, that we launched with so we've been in research and development building this thing for almost almost four years now so even prior to the whole whole big uh, nft hype cycle and the thing that originally got me excited about nfts was that I was like wow you could use serial numbers on a blockchain to then unlock you know unlock things and rather than having a centralized kind of corruptible database to do so you could use you could use the blockchain uh, so <laughs> that was all of our original uh, technology stack that we built was all of this DRM, specific infrastructure. And then we realized later on that you can't just provide the DRM, you also need to provide the NFT creation solutions. And then we realized, oh, well, you need to be able to trade and execute those, the same NFT serial numbers. Um, So, but going all the way back to the, the uh, sort of genesis of our, of our company, uh, and that's kind of what we have our patent around and such is we have an entire fully closed in DMCA compliant, a DRM engine. So not only can an enterprise deploy, you know, their NFT serial numbers, do these smart account things like we were talking about with our system, uh, but they can also lock all of their proprietary data uh, inside of it uh, with our DRM system.
0: So, so, so give me an idea of why you need that. Like what, what, what's a real use case where an enterprise would want to do something like that?
1: Uh, that's a great question. So of course we, we started in the more media media type um, a type use case. case, but I'd much rather give a, a more interesting example, a thing that we're working on uh, okay. right, right now, a, a medical use case, actually. Uh, so this is uh, instructions for use uh, for doctors to learn how to do surgeries and things. Um, so we're actually using our video player for for that uh, right now. So mm-hmm. we we end-to-end encrypt uh, the content, and then we make sure that only the doctor with the right credential can then click uh, and access the, uh, the video, and then we track on the blockchain exactly what wallet accessed it for how long um so you know okay really- so
0: so so the doctor has a wallet that's their credential their user credential they may not even know it's a wallet you, you could obfuscate that that piece of it but then they use that wallet and then do they need something like an nft to are you token gating the the content in some way like how what's going on in the background there
1: that's exactly what we're doing. So we are placing an on-chain identifier that says this wallet needs this token to watch this piece of content. Uh, okay. Yep. And as you know with smart accounts, the doctor would never even really necessarily need to know that's the way the system is right. working, but
0: that's how it is working behind the scenes. And so is the token an NFT that unlocks it or is it some other kind of token?
1: Absolutely, it is just a regular standard ERC721 um interoperable nft that's what we use to check uh, the the credential
0: okay so if you're an enterprise and you have some sort of content that you want to make sure is only available to the people who uh, are authorized to have that access the it sounds like the workflow is first you set them up with a wallet and they don't even know they're getting this they're just sort of like logging into the system using as you point out the abstract uh, account of abstraction capabilities of 4337 they're in the system Uh, They do have a wallet, and at the point that they are granted access to some digital asset, could be a video, maybe it could be some other kind of content, you issue them an NFT, and in the background, everything knows, okay, this person with uh, this NFT has the rights to view this particular video, but all of that's on-chain, and so that's the way you kind of give them access to uh, to the underlying gated content. That's exactly how it works. Okay. All right. I'm just trying to read between the lines because sometimes, you know, like, you know, we have to explain this to our enterprise users and and audience members because uh, generally speaking, they don't have a really strong understanding in many cases of of how blockchain works. Um, And, you know, one question they would have is, why do I need blockchain to do this? Why can't I just do this with some other digital rights management system? Something proprietary that lives behind the scenes. People log into my network. You have a user ID and a password, and because of that, we know which assets they have access to. We give them. I mean, you see that all the time. You see that on uh, today's, uh, you know, big media networks, Netflix or Hulu or anything like that. You know, you don't get access to the content unless you have an ID in the system and the, and you're a subscriber and all that. So, what is the big deal about blockchain here? That's the proverbial
1: why why Web three why why blockchain. Question: I think that inevitably comes up. And, you know, of course, there's the philosophical open transparent database that that we can all trust. But 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 at a more at a more kind of brass tacks uh, enterprise level, it's much more secure. So, you know, we know exactly what wallet is watching what content when it's kind of like why you don't want to buy drugs at Bitcoin. (laughs) That's that similar uh, similar mindset. Um, So I'd say it's the most secure DRM system that's that's really ever been. Ever been created, uh, because we have a public record of um, you know of of all of the the access uh, for all time, and then and then it's at that point, uh, like I said in the in the very beginning of our conversation, what parts of that data are private uh, and, and stored on a secure cloud and not not issued publicly, like all of your analytics behind who's doing what, uh, and then what does an enterprise choose to publish publicly to then interoperate with other other enterprises potentially okay. sell, sell that data.
0: I saw a video tab. Uh, I'm assuming this, I I said earlier, but maybe I was wrong, that this would work with other digital assets. For example, you know, I think of a media company. Blockchain Journal is a media company, and we deliver all sorts of assets to our end users, and uh, we are looking at how we are going to integrate blockchain into the back end of Blockchain Journal, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I could use... A technology like this to grant access to members of blockchain journal certain videos that other people don't get who are not members you know basically a gated access kind of situation or what about pdf files or other types of digital assets white papers etc are you going to expand this to include other kinds of assets besides just video
1: a great question of course we we started with video as it is like 80% mm-hmm. of the bandwidth on the internet and seems to be what, what most people, most people consume, um, the most. Sure. But uh, certainly the, the, core DRM technology, can you see this, can't you see this Is absolutely expandable to any other, even AR, VR, you know, whatever uh, else, uh, fundamentally we're checking on the blockchain. Does this credential exist? And if it does then, then provide access.
0: Okay. Uh, can we get a demo? Absolutely.
1: I'd love to, love to show you. That'd be
0: great. Show you a quick All demo.
1: Right. We've got some,
0: tee it up on the, uh, the, the uh, screen share. Absolutely.
1: okay. Perfect. So I will move over to one of our demo servers here where you can just see we have a whole kind of hodgepodge of, of interesting content. We basically use the server to put um, put little examples of what we're doing. And then in a production uh, use case, you would see instead of our logo, you know, it'd be different different color scheme, different logo, uh, things like that.
0: But maybe today... The logo of the company. So if it's an enterprise that wants to do something like big retail company or something like a consumer product, consumer goods company, that they would be able to kind of put this in their look and feel.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And mm-hmm. unlike some of the bigger players like Nifty Gateway, of course, we have dedicated developers that can, you know, even take it completely from our API endpoints and, and rebuild a front end from, from the ground up. Uh, but yes, the, this is the basic look and feel <laughs> that that we kind of customize color schemes and. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, light mode, dark mode, things like that. Um, so I would love to show this uh, Hotel Transylvania uh, use case here real quick. Uh, just load, okay. this, load this guy up. So we were actually in the Sony, uh, Sony Astar uh, blockchain incubator uh, last year, uh, which was really, really exciting for us. And they were nice enough to give us these assets, of course, to use only only in a demonstration a use case. But um, you can see here that, you know, on the surface, that looks quite a bit like a regular uh, NFT marketplace uh, experience uh, behind the scenes. Of course, we're creating all of these assets, minting them, doing all the metadata, uh, as you mentioned earlier, doing, doing the metadata in an open format where other marketplace aggregators like OpenSea can, can pick these things up. Um, uh, unlike as some of those other ones, we have much more granular kind of creation tools here. We can see that we're actually minting these specific NFTs on the ASTAR uh, blockchain. If there's a particular EVM network, uh, so Ethereum virtual machine specific network that huh? an enterprise is really excited about we can of course integrate integrate with that one as we've done
0: with uh, with this blockchain here
1: you can see that we've So got the,
0: a... the EVM standard is kind of what you're tied to there it doesn't matter which chain it is as long as it supports EVM you're good
1: Absolutely absolutely it takes yeah. us just a couple of days to copy paste smart contracts but yes we're we're compatible with uh, with all of them
0: which is But nice. what about ERC4337 like for right now that's only on Ethereum. Uh, the the other networks, ha- there are a lot of pieces of it that are not fully uh, up and running in a very public way. Um, so there are placeholders to kind of keep the technology running. We've been experimenting with the technology. So uh, if the network doesn't support ERC 4337, then what?
1: That's a great question. And actually, some of the more consulting side of our business, we've been helping the star blockchain folks try to get four, three, three, seven up up and running on their network. So you bring up a great point right now. It's really only like Bundler,
0: bundlers, for example, the bundlers are all third party services. There's no like central bundler. Uh,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So right in. In practical terms, we're basically on Polygon, you know, with, with the technology yeah. stack at this point, because they, they're the only ones that really are low-cost, uh, low-cost scalable that also support ERC-4337. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so then, when you said, like, the example here, I think you said was the A Star chain. <laughs> uh, would that really work in, in the real world? Can you put, can you break up? things. So like, you've got the account abstraction and all that working on polygon, but you've got the assets on a separate chain. But that's right.
1: So if I were to log out here and then do the social login flow and say, connect my wallet with, uh, with mm-hmm. Google, it's going to dump me in and automatically put me into a polygon, a polygon wallet. So that's kind of the the flow right now. So, uh, we have full, you know, full support of, of everything metamask based. And then, you know, as As the stack develops, as you know, you know, the smart accounts are really only about nine months, uh, nine months old. So, uh, okay.
0: So I'm not sure I got the answer to my question. Can you, can you use Polygon to handle all the ERC 4337 stuff, but still pick a different chain for where you keep all, where, where you're minting all your NFTs and stuff?
1: Right. It really needs to be all kind of kit and caboodle on the same, on the same same chain, same chain. Exactly. So, exactly. so,
0: so just that comes back to this thing. Yes, you're compatible with EVM, but today anybody wants to use your, your solution is kind of married to Polygon until the other chains support 4337. Yeah.
1: Yes, that 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 that's okay. a good that's a good way to put it. Everybody's kind of racing to to get to get the support. I saw an interesting graphic from Alchemy that Polygon is like ninety-two percent user share of all of the all of the smart accounts that have been created so far. But there are certainly experiments going on with optimism. With some well of the well that
0: wouldn't come as a surprise since a lot of the networks don't support four three three seven yet.
1: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So okay. which sort of gives their gives their network quite an advantage at the moment.
0: Okay. All right, well, let's keep on with the demo. I'm sorry to interrupt.
1: Oh, no, no worries at all. No worries at all. Let me, let me log back into kind of my more administrator, administrator account here. Uh, and yeah, let's go check out maybe something that you would be able to nicely, kind of nicely watch if, if you owned one of these NFTs. So right here, we just have a single and kind a of nice, nice trailer video, um, that plays here. So what's going on behind the scenes It looked quite quite low friction you know to the user typical mm-hmm. typical kind of video experience but behind the scenes we were actually checking if there was the the correct credential uh, that that the user needed to watch this video and then checking on chain providing that access and then and then streaming the content and then kind of mm-hmm. of course behind the scenes here we have you know our more you know more administrator type tooling sure. area where you can see all the analytics. Here's all the wallets. Here's all the timestamps. Here's how many people watched, watched the content. Uh, even interesting things. We have an AI face scanning thing that we've we've integrated, so we can actually require users to be eighteen or not to, to watch the content. So so th- things like that are all uh, all available behind the scenes here.
0: Okay. Well, uh, in I am very interested just. On the 4337 front, uh, sure. that, I haven't seen a whole lot of turnkey applications like this actually making use of 4337. So uh, it's exciting for me just to see an enterprise solution of the nature of this one that's out there that's also leveraging 4337 for some of its more enterprise features that a lot of people... Because it's hard to get your head around uh, the, the uh, that account abstraction specification. It actually does so many different things um you know uh, the the bundling piece of it by the way just bundling um uh, uh transactions by itself is is very interesting so uh that's a great demo thank you for doing that if i'm an enterprise and uh, i'm interested in this what what's it going to cost me <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, the proverbial answer to that is, is it, it depends. Uh, so, it depends. <laughs> so, you know, we, we quite pride ourselves in, in really digging into the, to the weeds and uh, making these things a little bit more custom, custom and boutique, mm-hmm. depending on, on what they need. But, um, you know, regular out of the box is, is just a SaaS a fast model. Nothing, nothing particularly
0: uh, crazy. Okay. So, so but yeah. On, on, a neg- on a negotiated basis, are you... It-
1: yeah. A- absolutely so uh, the exact front end that you saw just with your look and feel and logo and color scheme as in the kind of low low thousands of dollars a month and then you get your own giant uh, <laughs> giant box right yeah mm-hmm.
0: but with the apis I, which by the way i think that's a cool feature too which is uh, as as a website operator i really like it when content management systems can be headless in the nature that you described so you just use apis to get to everything so i think it was very uh, fortuitous of you to think about that in, in advance in a way that, hey, look, if you just want to work with our APIs, there's a whole API layer here, and you can snap that right into whatever it is you're building. So, is that a is that a like an increased level of of financial commitment that's required in order to work at that level?
1: Yes, it is, just because it takes a little bit more resource from our from our developers to to troubleshoot uh-huh. uh, versus having the kind of integrated streamlined experience but that is the right way i think to, to develop software so there's 55 api endpoints behind the scenes that basically make everything that you saw in the demo possible everything from minting the nfts adding the metadata doing the streaming querying the drm mm-hmm. all of those are are available headlessly if right uh, enterprise is large enough and wanted to to you know basically shortcut their development time they can just use our uh, use our APIs mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And the
0: video technology is your own video technology, like streaming and all that. It's not some other uh, service. looks yes. like it's your own.
1: <laughs> yes. So our, our patent pending is around our, our unique implementation of Apple HLS. So, you know, fa- fundamentally it is Apple HLS, right? So we don't mm-hmm. want to like make our new like video standard because then it wouldn't be supported by every device on earth, but right. So we use, we use the HLS streaming stack, which means it can stream on your phone, your TV, uh, your computer, anything like that. We just do this one extra little check to basically uh, look on the blockchain to make sure that you have the right credential.
0: Great. Well, uh, thank you very much for the demo today and for the explanation of what you're doing. And uh, I wish you great luck in, in your uh, future here now that you're off off the ground and running. Where can our audience members find you on the web? Absolutely.
1: So our website, rare.info, has everything that you need to learn about us. And we're yeah. all of the other places. Our Twitter handle is at raretech, R-A-I-R-T-E-C-H, and Telegram, LinkedIn, all the others. Uh, you can find those from our website. So.
0: All right, just for kicks, what's the, what, what's the uh, backstory behind the spelling of rare, R-A-I-R?
1: Uh certainly. So I actually think of DRM as a way to contain artificial intelligence. So it's the two yeah. it's the two <laughs> Rs that are basically holding it in. <laughs> so. Oh, I see. So the
0: AI the AI and rare is for artificial intelligence, is it?
1: Yes, yes it is. Or at least <laughs> how how we as humans can use DRM to uh, preserve our provenance.
0: All right. Well, uh <laughs> Garrett Minks, the founder of of Rare Technologies, provider of enterprise-grade uh, NFT marketplaces and as uh, and, and other DRM technologies, some, some other stuff going on there. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Blockchain Journal podcast. Thank,
1: Thank you so much for having me, David.
0: As I said earlier, everybody, if you want to uh, find the full transcript of this video, you can come to the blockchainjournal.com website. We have it up there. If you want to kind of read through it as text or cut and paste anything, We have lots of QR codes on this video at the end. We'll put them up there for you so you can find me. You can find Garrett. You can find all of our content uh, on either blockchainjournal.com, on YouTube. You can even find us on the various podcast infrastructures like Apple Podcast. Now, uh, YouTube Music, that's where YouTube has moved its podcast. So we're pretty much everywhere with our multimedia content. And if you have questions, we're easy to find blockchainjournal.com. Thanks for joining us.